Welcome to the ins and outs of selling a business featuring Keith D, a presentation of Osage Advisors. And hello, everyone. This is David Yaz at Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Alongside me, as usual, in the virtual studio is Keith D., the founder and CEO of Osage Advisors. And thanks for listening to the ins and outs of selling a business. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. Good to see you. Uh, virtually, of course. Right. Soon all this virtual stuff will be... Well, I don't think it's ever fully going away. I don't know if you agree with me. Some, sometimes it's nice. The comedian Jimmy Kimmel said, I want to keep some of the good stuff from the pandemic. Like, I want to go out to restaurants, but I don't want to go to a meeting ever again. Now, <laughs> that, that, that is, uh, I'm, I'm hearing that a lot through my network that we got to make this hybrid. It's, you know, we're centrally located here, halfway between Boston and New York. And prior to the pandemic, I would be in New York City, you know, five, six, seven times a quarter. I'd be up in Boston and in, in areas five, six, seven times a quarter. And the fact of the matter is that Right now, it's all been virtual, and now people are kind of picking their heads up a bit. Hey, you know, weather's getting a little bit warmer. Maybe we can do an outside lunch. Most of the people I'm talking to have been either had their first shot or fully vaccinated or scheduled to get their shots. And I had a monumental thing happen to me this week. I was actually able to hand out a business card for the first time. In the wow. So, <laughs> I was just, like, I, and it was a new business card. We, we, we went through a, a rebranding of Osage and we're very proud of it. Our, our marketing person did an incredible job. We, we love our logo. We had all new business cards ordered for everybody and we shipped them all out. Uh, I think it was last May and they all just been gathering dust, but uh, <laughs> I did meet somebody outside mm-hmm. and in a parking lot and you know, we kind of put my business card on the hood of his car and, and, and vice versa. And, you know, I guess I didn't, I should have Lysoled it, but I didn't. But anyways, but I was able to hand out my first business card in a year, my new business card. So hopefully that trend continues. Yeah, that's a small step back towards normalcy. I was just thinking the other day that I don't know where my business cards are. I, I haven't handed one out in, in 13 months or so, like, like, like so many, but that's a good signal. It's a good signal. So on the show today, we're going to talk about staying the course and remaining focused throughout the due diligence process of putting a deal together as Keith does. So first off, tell us why you think this aspect of a deal is important, Keith. So staying focused is critical. You know, once you know we run the process, our clients, we need uh, their help or their team's help in putting together the materials we need for the, our presentation, the, the, the book, the confidential memorandum, et cetera. We need their help through our Q&A process. And then, of course, the management meetings. But most, our goal is run your company like it's not going to sell. Mm-hmm. And what, and our job is to help our, our clients stay focused on the task. And we're not going to you know beat them over the head. But when we start to see some trends happening, you know, we need to be transparent, open, and honest about aspects that are important. If you lose your focus, if you think the company's selling and you're letting, and you take your pedal off the gas a bit, you know, that could deteriorate rapidly your business, which will give concerns to the buyer. So, and it's not just focused and it's not easy to stay focused. I mean, because when you go through a transaction and a due diligence process, you now have a second job Mm. and that's going to weigh heavily on the business owner and the people on his management team who are, who are aware of the deal, like their CFO, their COO, their general manager, their salesperson, et cetera. And 
if you lose focus on trying to, you know, make those calls and talk to customers and, and make sure your employees are working and happy and addressing all the internal things you need to address on a daily basis, if you know, things can deteriorate pretty rapidly, all of a sudden your sales dip 15% for this month. And so what happens? Oh, nothing really. I've just been really focused on the deal, right? Or I wasn't really focused on it. I'm focused on one aspect, but not the other aspect. So we encourage our, our clients to stay focused on the task at hand, which is not easy because it's highly emotional and it's likely the first and only time they're going through this transaction. And if they, if things tend to wane a bit, then it could cause issues. For example, we had a client uh, a few years ago that, you know, I'm going to say put his feet up on his desk, but he kind of like sat back and I'm ready to go. Right. Mm. And, you know, all of a sudden the employees, the staff, everybody kind of noticed something different about him. They were not aware of the sale. And so we are, you know, we're listening and we're talking to him and we're kind of, you know, reading what's happening. And so we basically had to sit down with him and I said, I'll call him Mr. Smith. I said, Mr. Smith, it's all about your business right now. Nothing's more important. I know it's hard. We're here for you 24 seven. We'll do everything we can to help you get this across the finish line, but you and your key people have to stay focused. Nothing's more. Anytime someone says it's all about your business. It's all about ABC company. If someone comes up, no, it's all about ABC company. Make sure you're running your company. Make sure you're taking care of your people. Make sure you're interacting with your customers and your vendors. Make sure you continue to build their business through the process. And it's not an easy task because in 30 days or 60 days, you know, they're going to feel that I'm no longer in control. And, you know, I, you know, I've got the right deal and I'm moving on, but you know, sometimes that deal won't happen or the buyer may come back to you. And this happens you know, quite often if you lose track and say, look, yeah, you're kind of, your backlog's down by, you know, 25% and, They'll look for reasons to try to, you know, potentially retrade the deal if you're not careful. Mm. So we want our clients to stay focused and it's an emotional aspect. It's a lot of stress to do it, but you gotta, you know, you gotta say, look, 30 more days, right? You put milestone charts, you put tasks in place. We're there to meet, you know, with them all the time. So we set up meetings with the buyer and the seller, our team with the buyer's team weekly to address open items. How can we help get this done? But you got to keep not just that, but when, once you pull back from the chair, you still got to go there and take the call from a customer that wants to place an order. Do you give advice to your clients as to what they should communicate to their employees, if anything, right? <laughs> so at some point in the transaction, it's going to be the senior management team because the buyers go on to meet them. It's right. all about the management team, right? So you're going to, whether you're staying on in any capacity as a part owner or as a consultant or an employee, it's all about the next level. And if you don't have that next level satisfied, it becomes a problem. So, you know, and once you open that door, you know, which is a big door to open for a business owner, because he or she likely has been very, you know, protective and confidential about, you know, their business. They're, they're not a public company. They're private. It's a family owned business, maybe third generation, second generation. And you know, their employees don't need to know what's happening in your life from a business perspective, you may have that relationship with them that you share sales data, you know, there's quarterly bonuses and all that kind of good stuff. So they feel like they have ownership in the business, which is great. 
So they're uh, constantly seeing, you know, they got the sales goal and it's, it's up on a big screen, you know, in the factory floor. Okay. We got to get another, you know, $250,000 out the door by tomorrow for the end of the month. And we hit our sales goal and we get our bonus. So people are pulling together. That's one thing, right? But when it comes to the detailed integral parts of your company, it's very hard for owner to open up. So once you open up that now people are questioning what's happening, what's going to happen to me. Right. So it's all about, you know, do I have a job? Who's the buyer? You know, is my job title going to change? Am I going to be reporting to somebody new? I mean, the list goes on and on. So that affects your job performance because they're not focused on their job. So, I mean, it can tumble down. So as a business owner, you have to stay in communication with those people and indicate to them why, you know, this is important for all of us and you can incentivize them. You know, you know, we, we just had a conversation with a client about, you know, we call them stay bonuses, but look, this is what we're doing. You guys stay focused. You keep on working. If once we close this transaction, I'm going to pay you a, a bonus. And then you can make a determination what you want to do. My, my advice to you is give it some time, see how it plays out, give it a year and hopefully it turns out great. And if not, you can make a decision, but don't just make a rash decision. But it's critical to make sure your key people stay focused. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, some guy is, uh, you know, your general manager of your floor and he understands what's going on. He's, he's part of the team. And next thing you know, he's, mm, he's not there at seven in the morning anymore. You know, he's coming in at eight 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the guy was working from six 30 to six 30 every morning, every day, you know, five days a week on weekends, he comes in because he felt a major ownership of the business. He felt like he was part of it. That company's part of their family right? It's their second family. And so when you take out the parents, you're kind of adrift, mm. right? Yep. So you got to make sure that they understand that comes back to that, you know, trend, you know, communicating to them that I'm doing this for you guys. Mm. It's part I mean, I'm not doing it for me, but I'm doing it for your future as well. So, you know, if you're coming in at eight 30 and leaving at five, you know, punching the clock versus what you were doing, I mean, what's, what happened to the other five or six hours at 20 hours a week that you were putting in? It's gone. It, things are delayed. Now it sounds like that guy feared the worst with the change in ownership. When I, t- I take it in certain situations, the employees and top level executives might not realize that in theory, life could get even better for them if they on upon change of ownership. Yes. And why is that? Because, okay, I'm giving give examples. So I have an ownership, uh, owner 72 years old. He's had some health issues. His partner, who was going to be, uh, you know, part of the deal, left years ago, and he's got a great company. I, I got to imagine the employers are looking in, at him and, and saying, "What happens if you know if he passes or gets mm-hmm. sick?" To us, the business, you got to, you know, there there are a lot of insecurities, like anybody, else, just in life, you know, there's insecurities with everything, you know, and you got to address those, and you know, it's kind of like. Uh, it's psychology and just recognizing that and communicating to that, to your employees. I mean, business owners as a whole feel pretty infallible for the most part, unless there's an event that causes something, whether it's them or their spouse or the pandemic, which we're seeing now people are kind of taking second stock, you know, maybe, maybe I should think about doing something because, you know, things can happen. But if you're an owner and you could deliver a message to your employees, your key employees, of course, first, of why this is a good situation for them, which can create value for them. 
I mean, I w- I'll give you an example. We were involved in the transaction several years ago, and there was a family. The owner was 100% owner. He had four, let's say four of his cousins. They joined the business right out of high school, and they all ran different departments. And it was a great company, but he was very secretive about letting anybody know what was going on. His personality, except at a separate email address, and he had a separate phone, a cell phone, specifically only for the deal, right? Mm. So when it came time, as we got close, the only other person in the company I knew was the controller. The financial people have to be brought in early because they're the one providing the initial information on transaction. So they have to be brought in. But this was an operations. One was in charge of repairs and maintenance. One was in service. One was field maintenance, et cetera. So when he announced it to them, they were in shock. They were young. They were all, he was older. He was, uh, at the time, was probably 52. But he, he wanted to move on. They were in their mid-30s, say, you know. And so... I spent a lot of time on the phone with them and I actually got in the car. They're down in Pennsylvania. And I said, okay, I'm coming in. Let's grab lunch. I drove eight hours to his company in, in Pennsylvania. And we sat there for two hours talking about strategy, how we're going to, cause he was worried these guys are going to bolt because they were kind of upset. Right. And then I drove back that same night. So, I mean, I leave left at you know, five in the morning. That's a long day. Two, two hour lunch. And I got home at nine o'clock that night. But mm. what we decided to do was I was going to put together a presentation on his behalf. And I was going to put together a presentation about what the buyers bring into the table and what opportunity that creates for them, including a management stock plan. That when they, when the new buyer, because the buyer had already signed off on that, but these guys didn't know about it because we negotiated that on their behalf in the letter of intent. We negotiated a management stock plan for his, not just his cousins, but for other key employees in the stock plan, but it was never communicated to them. So we put together a presentation. I did, Osage, on his behalf. And then I drove back down there. And I got him all in a room and I've never met him before because he didn't want me to meet anybody. Right. And we had him in his conference room. I had a flip chart back then. Right. The probably easy way to do it. And these guys are, and we went through about what the compensation was going to look like based on the projections of the business, you know, where they would be at in five years of the company sold, what the windfall would be to them and what the future opportunity was. So the, it was the, 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 um, the, a pretty uh, tense couple hours. Well, it must. I just wonder if at some point the mood in the room swung when they saw the possible benefits, because it sounds like you put on a, a pretty good case for it. What ended up happening here was is that they all signed up, and then five years later, the company it was a private equity buyer. He sold it to another private equity fund, and these guys did well, and they're still there. As far as I know, the four cousins are still with the business, but now they have an ownership with the next company. So the thing is, it wasn't communicated early on in the process. I mean, obviously you deal family, you deal with family a little bit differently, you know, than you deal with employee, other key employees, because, you know, you're at the, you know, we used to be at Thanksgiving tables together and Easter dinners and Christmas or whatever, whatever holiday, you know, Passover, whatever. And then you're at the same table. So you got to face these people. You know, after the deal's done, you got to, you're going to see they're, you're, you know, they're, they're your mother's sister or brother's kids, right? So, you know, your big family gathering. So, you know, I think it would, you know, in retrospect, if he would have been a little bit more open earlier in when we, when he felt comfortable with the buyer, it may have, would have had the same emotional aspect, but 
it may have gone a little smoother. So it was a couple tense hours, but you know, we're ask me anything, yeah, anything, ask me anything. And, you know, my clients are just, you know, so I'm just going to ask whatever they ask, I'm going to answer. And he said, absolutely. And then, you know, and so uh, at the end of the day, it was a good me. And if it's the first time I met these people, so, you know, you're going into a hostile environment and, you know, but you know, they took the focus came off the business. I mean, we spent a lot of time. And these guys, you know, when I, between the time when he notified him to the time that I did the presentation, let me say that there was a lot of things going on in that business that were not business related. Mm-hmm. So the concern was that if these guys walk and or business drops, you know, we may have a problem on our hand. So you got to, you know, you got to run your business. You got to stay focused on your business. And you got, when you, once your key and people get invested, you notify them, you just say, Hey, I'm, I'm selling the company and it's going to be so-and-so and they're going to want to talk to you, right? You really need to sit with them, in my opinion. And, and we're happy to be part of that conversation at the right time and explain why this is a good deal. Like back to the 72 owner and say, Hey guys, I'm 72. It's my time, mm-hmm. but you guys have been important to me. I want to find the right buyer, the right fit for you and just stay focused on your task. When we transition out, I'm still going to be here, you know, for a year or so, but now you have a place with a buyer who's bringing additional capital assets and, and value to the company. That's going to let this company, you know, continue to grow and thrive for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. So communicating that will help people stay focused on the task because they're going to see a benefit to them, but lack of communication, you know, you lose your focus and then that can affect not only your top line performance, but the culture that you worked all these years for to create in there, people are going to, you know, could feel like they've been betrayed. And so if you communicate to them and stay and keep them focused and in a number of different ways, which we can help our clients uh, navigate through, it's going to smooth things out and you get to the finish line. I was in a situation where the failure to communicate soured a deal. I believe I, I was working for a trade newspaper in Boston, and there were rumors swirling that the company was about to be purchased by a larger media company. And I was, I guess what you call a high-level executive, I was the editor of the paper at the time, but the the owner was so uh, obsessed with word leaking publicly that this was going to happen, she gave us these instructions as to what we could say to the public. And it turns out we had this big cocktail party for clients and others coming up and she said, well, if someone asks you about it, just make a joke. Just make a joke about it. And then she went so far as to ask me and a colleague to write some jokes that people could tell. It went horribly. And not to mention that, you know, it, that nothing really had been communicated to the employees about what was about to happen anyway. That I don't know if that's why the deal fell through, but... Um, hey, it could be. You, you know, you, yeah. at the end of the day, you don't know if there's lack of communication, right? right? So you're not in, in privy, but there could have been some things there. You know, again, it's the buyer getting comfortable with the senior management team. And that's just, you know, again, if they're not engaged with the process on your behalf or teaming with you, and you can incentivize like we talked about, it could give some concern. And the concern may not create the deal, but it may restructure it. Hey, look, you know what? Not so sure about this, but we're willing to st- we're still willing to pay you that $10 million or whatever it is, but we're only going to pay you like seven now because we want to make sure that these things continue on and we'll pay you out over a couple of years. So all of a sudden, you know, you get these uh, retrades and structures that come into place. And really, a lot of it could be due to just, you know, frankly, the lack of communication from this perspective. Of course, when you're, you're performing, you shouldn't have a retrade. So those are the kind of things. But, you know, maintaining focus and our job as advisors is really, again, is to 
is to be blunt, frank, and open with our clients to their concerns and to you know, keep them on task and keep them focused. And if there are concerns, we address them as we go along. Obviously, if there's uh, major concerns on other angles, then we have to really you know, step back and take a look at it. But keeping people focused, yourself, your team are critical to a successful transaction. Well, that is a, a good way to sum up. And we appreciate it, Keith, as usual, for those thoughts on staying the course and maintaining focus. Just one of the subjects you'll find covered by this podcast. We encourage you to take a look at the entire library of the ins and outs and selling of ins and outs of selling a business. And Keith, if you could remind people how they can get in touch with you if they want to follow up or ask you more info on these subjects. So you could always uh, look us up on the website and the web at uh, Osage, O-S-A-G-E, advisors with an S.com. You can feel free to email me at K-D-E-E at OsageAdvisors.com or Feel free to call me. Uh, my phone number is 860-767-3273, extension 1001. Thank you, Keith. Fantastic stuff. As usual, the entire library of the ins and outs of selling a business is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find them, or you can go to pod617.com to see the full lineup. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on the ins and outs of selling a business.